Hello and welcome back. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yavamot, daf, pay Aleph, page 81. Well, we're back to Truma. I'm not quite sure how we got there, but that was Anne's actual direct quote. So we started <laughs> talking about this daf. She's like, I thought we finished with Truma, but we're going to talk about No, Truma I love Truma. More. Don't, don't. You know, don't give me a negative attitude when I don't have it. It's just I'm just saying you were surprised you reappeared. You were surprised it reappeared. All right, so on to our new Mishnah. So a Srishama who is a Kohen who marries the daughter of a Bat Yisrael. So remember that Bat Yisrael needs to be brought in uh to eat to eat uh Truma based on this, you know, based on marrying a Kohen. But the question is obviously going to be. Is a Sris Hama Kohen enough of a Kohen to allow this Bat Yisrael to eat Truma? Ma'achila bitruma. And yes, she can eat Truma. So how exciting for her. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon Omrim, and Dragonus Kohen, Shanasa Bat Yisrael. Now we're talking about the category of an Androgynous, right? And so remember, that is a person who has both male and female um, uh, sex organs. Um, who's so the androgynous who's a Kohen who marries a Bat Yisrael, Malicha Bitruma, also uh, entitles that woman, the Bat Yisrael, to eat Truma. Rabbi Hudo Amer, Tum Tum Zachar. Let's say we have a Tum Tum, right? So a Tum Tum is a person who's born with uh, genitalia that basically some is sort of like hidden in the body or it's covered by flesh. You can't really determine whether they are male or female. And so here's a case with the Tum Tum who nikra, which literally means to be torn open, right? They they tear that part of them, but they basically discovered that this person is male. Lo yachlots, this type of Tum Tum or this type of person should not do chalitza. Mipinei because he's like a saris. And therefore, if there's another brother or somebody else who can do the mitzvah, they should do the mitzvah. That's how Rashi sort of explains what's going on here. The Gemara later on, is going to spend some time talking about uh, why a tumtum would not do chalitza, even if they're the only surviving brother. So we'll talk about this a little bit more. Um, and then it goes on to say androgynous, but androgynous can marry a woman, a valonisa, but he shouldn't be taken into marriage by a man, right? So what this Mishnah is basically saying is, is that somebody who has the status of an androgynous actually is considered male. And therefore, they can marry a female, but they should not uh, marry a male um, as a woman. Now, I know today, when we have very different definitions of gender, and some of those definitions are evolving, this is always a particularly interesting category that we see in the Gemara. And it's always sort of, in a way, I think, personally refreshing that this category in the Gemara shows up in multiple, multiple places, and is really discussed uh, very freely. Yes, ultimately, though, they want to sort of put the category of androgynous, at least here, into a category of male. There isn't really like an in-between category, uh, but the fact that they deal with this and discuss it is 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 interesting. And then finally, we have Rabbi Eliezer Omer, um, androgynous chayvina levskila kizachar. Okay, again, so this is going to not sit well necessarily with everybody who's reading this, but to sort of emphasize the point of how much an androgynous cannot be with another man, it basically says that they would be uh, punished with, uh, with skila, um, which would be the punishment of any man who uh, committed sodomy 
with another man. Now, this is we obviously could get into a much, much lengthier discussion about issues about homosexuality, uh, the punishment of sodomy itself. I'm going to limit it to exactly saying that I think they're talking about a particular sexual act, which is the act of sodomy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get in. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think eventually at some point in our podcast, maybe we'll deal with it a little bit more. But there's a lot of other stuff to talk on uh, this stop itself. But I think we do see some of the process of how Chazal at least tried to address the issue that there was some flux uh, within the gender categories of male and female. And what did they do with these categories of androgynous and tumtum? How did it affect marriage? And a little bit they touch upon how it affects uh, Yibam and Chalitza. Um, yes, I think that it makes it easier nowadays to understand, you know, if if we've already seen these categories in the Gemara, then I think that makes it easier to understand the current uh, cultural shift. Alternatively, if you understand the current cultural shift, then it makes it easier to understand these categories in the Gemara. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, again, I always wonder, like, today, this isn't a, these aren't shocking questions. And in fact, one would say the Gemara comes off as conservative, the Mishnah comes off as conservative, lower, you know, lowercase c. Um, but, I, you know, I wonder at the time, like, was this shocking that they talked about these, these issues? I, I would imagine, yes, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I wonder, like, did it come home to the Shabbos conversation, Shabbos table conversation, or was it kept in the Beit Midrash and only the highest level of sages kind of had these discussions. I would like to know the answer to that question. I'm going to move on, though. Um, I'm still on Ahmed Aleph, and there's a whole, um, there's a large discussion here, meaning the sugi is a little bit long, so I'm going to read the beginning of it, and I'm going to try to then kind of streamline the rest of it. So this is on the point of the Mishnah that you've just read, Yerdina, where Rabbi Yosef and Shimon say that we have a Kohan, a Kohen who's androgynous, right? And which means both uh, the person who has both sets of genitalia, right? And this person is married to a, in the Yisrael woman, and he, as a Kohen, enables her to eat truma. This is everything you've just said. Amarish Lakish, machila bitruma ve'ein machila b'chazevishok. So Rish Lakish says, yes, she can eat truma, but she can't eat um, the here specifically the the breast and the thigh of the of the korban shlamim, right? Meaning she can eat from the truma, but not from the korbanot. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, he can also, she can also eat, you know, she's allowed both, both truma and korbanot. So the Gemara wants to understand what exactly is going on. Why is Rishlokish making this exception? Because uh, if you want to say, well, you know, we're talking about korbanot that are really from the Torah, well, truma is also... Do'oraita, which is something we should certainly know after the amount of time we have spent talking about truma. So the Gemara asks, what are we talking about? Right, this is always a good question. The Gemara is, what is the case? So the Gemara says, truma bizman hazeh, meaning truma bizman hazeh, the time after the Beit Mikdash, the time of Chazal, is no longer Do'oraita. It's only rabbinic, whereas the Kabbalah themselves would have been Do'oraita, but they're also not happening, right? The Gemara says, you know, we also don't have um, you can't eat the carbonate in the era after the Beit Hamikdash either. So then, what's really going on? So the Gemara says, "Leaf load the litne bedida." So the Gemara says, "Let him distinguish and teach it within the case of truma in the following way: b'med b'med, excuse me, b'med dvarim amurim b'truma drabanan 
Meaning, the whole discussion then is understood to be talking about Truma Durabanan. And that is why she's allowed to eat Truma, according to Rish Lakish. But Truma Doraita would be in the same category as those Karbanot. And Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish would also presumably say, no, she can't have that Truma either, the Doraita Truma, as opposed to the rabbinic sages' generation of Truma, or now for that matter, which is Drabanan. So then the Gemara goes on. Hachinami Kamar. You know, this is also what, what he was saying, namely, Kishuhu Machila. He's not, he doesn't in, um, enable her to eat the the truma of the Doraita level when the when the was standing. So the Gemara goes to say, even um, you know the 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 opinion that says that she shouldn't have truma now either. Which you know is not exactly Rish Lakish and it's not exactly Reb Yochanan, but the question of that is to say, you know, what what if she would then be confused when the Beit Hamikdash is rebuilt and she would eat the truma that's Doraita, but she's not really entitled to it because of her marriage to this particular kind of Kohen. Um, fine, and Reb Yochanan says no, she's allowed to eat even the shok, the chazev shok of the korbanot, right? And so then the question is, meaning. He presumably, Rabbi Yochanan would assume, we assume that Rabbi Yochanan would agree that Truma de Oreta would also be something that she's entitled to while married to this Kohen. Amrle Rabbi Yochanan Lavesh Lakish. Me Savrat Truma Bizman Hazed Rabbanan. He says, Rabbi Yochanan says to Rabbi Lakish, you know, you want to make this distinction between Truma and the Korbanot. Are you, you want to say that it's rabbinic? You know, where is that really what you're thinking? He says, yes, Shani, Shani I'm learning it. I'm learning it from the proof that the cake of dried figs. Now, we haven't talked about this cake of dried figs in some time. But if you recall back to Masach Shabbat, we talked about the cake of dried figs then, meaning it becomes an example of where and specifically where the cake of dried figs is mixed up or intermingled, whatever, with other such cakes, right? So you end up with um, a truma cake with other ones, the same, you know, consistency, the same product that is not a truma cake. And then what are you going to do, right? How do you figure this out? Which one gets, you know, do you, do you nullify all of them? Or do you say, um, or, or are you going to somehow pull out, you can't identify Right, the whole point is that you can't identify which is the fig cake that has the kedusha of the truma and which does not. So, if we're talking about drabanan, we can we can manage that. But when it's doraita, it becomes much more complicated to um, to deal with this. We'll call it tarovet, right? This mixture, this intermingling of the different things. So, so then this is Rish Lakish's answer to Yochanan that he says that when we're t- we're saying that 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 dried fig cake is batel. What does it mean? It's batel? It means that you don't have to worry about it in the context of the other cakes. You don't have to worry about that truma. Why? As being truma. Why? Because it's drabanan only. Amar lei, so Rabbi Yochanan says to him, but I teach, meaning he, Rabbi Yochanan says, that if you have a korban chatat, chaticha b'chatichot oleh, if you have a korban chatat, a piece of a korban chatat, rather, that becomes intermingled with other pieces of meat, right? That 
that it, again it's ole it becomes um it, it it's it we we're translating we're explaining it to be that this is a nullified what does that mean um you know is this going to be um do we say that you could nullify things even if it's at a Torah level? And Rabbi Yochanan's answer is, well, yes, because he'll talk about it even in the context of the Korban Chatat. Rabbi Yochanan says, are you saying that every time we learn that there's something that is usual to count, right? This is, uh, you know, the way we determine much versus many, right? Is this something that you can count? Anything that is going to be handled by unit, right, as opposed to weight. So not flour, but crackers, right, um, for example. So then are we going to say that any time that we're going to count, um, is that what we're talking about? That when, the moment you have something that you can count, then you're going to handle the ta'arovet with or without being able to nullify it? That's, you know, is that what it hinges upon? And so he, he says, no, but that's not the case, because really we learned that that which is usual to count, again, the things that are sold by unit or whatever, um, the crackers, not the flour, it ends up being considered important and therefore it cannot be nullified. You cannot negate it in the in the rove, in the majority of what's there to be not Kodesh, would say. And so, for example, then his point is that those cakes of dried figs are not always sold by unit. Now, this is something we wouldn't know ever, right? To know what... What exactly is this cake of dried figs and can it really be sold as um, the kind of thing that has an uncountable measure, right? That, uh, you know, I'm thinking like a, the vats of nuts, let's say, that they have in Israel. So you're going to not say that the pistachios are, each pistachio is countable, but that's not, not how they're sold, right? They're sold by volume, let's say. So the question about these figs, the dried figs, you know, is Reish Lakish saying that we should count them? And that's why, you know, to what extent you can nullify it because it's going to be, or or do you say that, that you, because the Rabbi Yochanan's point is to, is I would say it's a pretty, pretty sharp inquiry to Reish Lakish saying, you know, you want to say that you can nullify this because it's Drabanan, but don't we usually apply a different criteria, criterion when we're discussing nullifying something and the real issue is can it be counted individually and that's the way it's sold or do we not count it individually because it becomes like a you know like i said a volume kind of measure weight or volume um and then so the gemara goes on to continue to talk about exactly this this issue of you know how do you count um and it goes on in the gemara you know from the end with tons of examples right meaning we end up with we end up with nuts and pomegranates and um, barrels of wine and beets and cabbages and gourds, right? Meaning the the list of this whole discussion of you know what are we talking about in terms of these kinds of objects that are going to either be nullified or not nullified is a much more intensive discussion. So I'm going to stop it here, recognizing that we haven't come to a conclusion yet, meaning not a final answer as to what's happening for this poor woman who's married to the Kohen. Can she eat or not? You know, again, she should ask Reish Lakish or Rabbi Yochanan. Yeah, it's an interesting Lachlokas to see that they have. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just see, like, the, the Mishnah is very straightforward, but Rach Lucky from Rabbi Yochanan sort of take it in a, in a different direction. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. 
And until tomorrow, go and learn.